In the Gospel reading this morning, we have a solemn reminder to us, and perhaps especially to those of us who have any kind of religious impulses, which might be in a few of you here, (laughs) um, of the point of this all. What is the point? Here we are in church, setting aside a significant chunk of our Sunday, one of the few days off that we have, to come and do what exactly? What, what's the point? So here, Jesus, in this, parab- in this story, sorry, uh, um, in this occurrence, he's in the synagogue on the Sabbath, as any good Jew is and should be. Any of, one of the people of God on the Sabbath day would have gone to whatever they could get to. In this case, Jesus got to the synagogue. And as the service is going on, he sees a woman who has an infirmity, a spirit of, of infirmity. There's a spiritual dimension to this particular affliction, which has made it impossible for her to stand up straight for 18 years. So here she is, she's bent over. There's absolutely nothing that she can do to raise herself up. Nothing that she can do to enter into the standard posture of prayer, which is standing before God. She's always bent over. And Jesus calls her over to him. And in the middle of this service, He heals her. Woman, he says, you are loose from your infirmity. And she stands up straight and glorifies God. And then the ruler of the synagogue, who I have to say, I have a little bit of sympathy for here. He's the one whose job it is to make sure the service flows smoothly. And there's just been a massive disruption in the service. And so what does he do? He does what almost every, um, I don't know, uh, minister does in this, in, this, in this sort of situation. He doesn't address the problem directly. Instead, he doesn't say to Jesus, look, you shouldn't have done that. You messed up the service. No, no, that, that would be too embarrassing. So instead, what he does, he turns to the whole crowd and he says, okay, this is what we're supposed to do, people. This is why we're here. There are six days on which you can come and be healed. Come be healed on those days. This is the Sabbath. You're not supposed to be doing any work on the Sabbath. And then, of course, it says, Jesus answered him. Jesus is aware, obviously, that he's he's not talking to the people. He's talking to Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, look, You hypocrite. Does not every single one of you who has an ox or a donkey on the Sabbath take that ox or that donkey and lead it to water to drink? You untie it, you loose it, and you take it to wherever you're going to, and it doesn't matter whether it's work or not. 
You're doing it because you have compassion on this lowly animal. Now, I'm a really lousy farmer myself. Uh, uh, I, I have animals and, and I, you know, I do actually, you know, I feel for them. The dog is hungry. I guess I better take it off the chain and take it over to the water and, you know, look after it and, uh, uh, or, or, you know, the chickens are thirsty. I got to go and like take some water to them because they're thirsty. They're animals and, but they want, you have compassion on them. And Jesus says, shouldn't this woman, this daughter of Abraham, who has suffered from it, think of it, for, suffered from this infirmity for 18 years, be loosed from her infirmity on the Sabbath? And the people all glorify God. Maybe not the synagogue ruler. I'm not sure. Just, <laughs> he's included in that. Uh, I, I'm guessing maybe not. They were, but they rejoiced for all. Uh, yeah, no, I guess not, because it says all his adversaries were put to shame. <laughs> so probably not much rejoicing there. And the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by Jesus. So, as I said, this is a solemn reminder to us about why we are here, what the point of all this coming to the church and setting aside time to be in the presence of God is all about. Because there's a real temptation, or maybe temptation isn't quite the right word. Sometimes it's a temptation. Sometimes I think it's just a... a, a uh, a misunderstanding, a, a missing of the point, uh, to, to, to think that all of this is an end in itself. You know, we have a beautiful building here, thanks and glory be to God for that. We have uh, um, a nice uh, iconostas up, we have candles, we have a, a service that we do, we, we come and we pray uh, and, and we do what we can to, to kind of bring ourselves into the presence of God and acknowledge his existence, his goodness, uh, that ideal for us uh, at, you know, this moment in this week. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing to, be, to have beauty and to have this ideal that is held up before us, that we are called to. But what is it that God is calling us to? That's the part that's maybe a bit easy to miss sometimes. Because on the, what, what he's ultimately calling us to is not to prayer. Although, however important and essential prayer may be. It's not to beauty. However much we may rejoice in and celebrate beauty. It's not to a nice, smooth, flowing, melodious, harmonious liturgy, however wonderful and uplifting that may be. All these things are important. They help us to have a sense of God and who He is and how He is beautiful and glorious and true. But 
when it comes right down to it, what is it that we are struggling with? And the answer will be, for each and every one of us, slightly different. We are all struggling, though. We are, this is our state as human beings. We are broken. We don't manage to stand up straight and glorify God because we have this spirit of infirmity, this weakness, this brokenness that is in need of healing. And the whole point of coming here is, yes, of course, to learn and to acknowledge and to love God, but the Apostle John makes it really clear. No man can say that he loves God if he does not love his brother. You can't say that I love God whom I have never seen and then turn around and be nasty or uncompassionate or uncaring towards your brother whom you do see. And brother in this case includes sister. Anyone whom you come into contact with. God is calling us to compassion. He's calling us to love. We learn to love Him by learning to love one another. Why is it that, we, that is, it is so essential that we gather here together to pray? We could, you know, have really beautiful places in our homes, which hopefully we do. We have a nice icon corner in our homes. We could go and pray there. But no, on the Sabbath, or on Sunday now, uh, we come and we worship together. That's deliberate. The point of that is not so that we can have nice harmony, although it's always nice when we have nice harmony from the choir uh, and from those of us who are singing. Um, the point of it is that it brings us into contact with one another. It brings... and. You know, we, we sometimes almost feel like, oh, well, I can't go to church today because I'm really struggling. No, no, that's exactly when you need to go to church. Because this is the place to bring your struggles. And we don't have to be, you know, it's important to understand the church and our assembly here and our unity here is on some level symbolic in the sense that it hasn't been fully realized yet but we are coming together and uh, anyway and 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 working towards that ultimate goal and so we 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 come with this with, with our own imperfections not necessarily fully on display because you know we've got to dress up and keep the masks on and, and but there should be some openness there there should be some openness at the very least to being in the presence of God and, I don't know, weeping, mourning for our sins and our own brokenness and all the things that we're struggling with. And also sometimes rejoicing for the, the wonderful healing that God has brought into our lives. We'll be at all sorts of different places as we come together. That is, again, by design. Because as those of us who are rejoicing 
those of us who have been healed, see those who are broken. Whatever that little tiny bit of brokenness may, may be on display, our job is to have compassion, to love, to do what this whole thing is calling us to do. Because what are we doing? We're coming into the presence of God in our brokenness, and God is not striking us down. He's not smiting us with fire from heaven. He is responding with mercy, with compassion, with love. And so the right response, the point of it all, is for us to freely receive this compassion and mercy and love and forgiveness from God and then turn around and give it to whomever it is that we come into contact with. Freely you have received, Jesus says to his apostles and his disciples, freely give. And the goal of it all, as we saw in the epistle reading, is unity. Unity is absolutely essential. We know that. We see the brokenness and how it affects us and one another. Our brokenness messes other people up. I'm grumpy. I'm tired. I snap at my wife. My wife then is, her, her, her morning is ruined. She snaps at the children. Not, not usually, but, um, and, and, and it, it just keeps going on and on and on, right? It needs to be fixed. And if we turn around, if we, we can turn that around with compassion, with love. It doesn't mean that we compromise. My wife, usually in this situation, scenario that I've outlined, will say, look, you have zero right to be grumpy. Just because you stayed up late and were stupid doesn't mean that you have any right to snap at me. That's good. That's love. And, and so that is what we are called to do. We are called to speak the truth in love. And that then becomes the basis of our unity. Our unity is based on, on our understanding of God, which is essential, has to be true in order for us to be, if we, if we are moving towards the God that we worship and adore and hopefully becoming like him, then it's important that we know who he is and we know what he is like. So yes, doctrine is essential. Doctrine doesn't divide. It's absolutely essential uh, because it, we have to move towards truth. We have to move towards love. But then what is love? We have to be able to define that. And we define that, we understand that by the ultimate example of love that we have in Christ. So all of these things are essential. They're all working together to make us one as he is one. To give us that compassionate heart that he has. That we might truly be in all of our words and deeds and actions, in all of our interactions with one another, his children to his glory. The glory of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.